0: I want to start out by reading a passage in Psalms 25. Psalms 25:14 25, says, The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him, and He makes known to them His covenant. Let's pray. Father, I pray that You would shine Your light on our hearts and our minds this morning. Um, I pray that we would hear and receive Your Word, um, and that it would have the effect uh, that You desire for it to have. Um, I pray that uh, we would be a people, um, Father, who fear you. uh, That we would be a people who honor you. I pray that your name would be regarded as holy in our midst. Uh, And Father, as things seem to uh, get crazier and crazier by the hour, I pray that your kingdom would come. Uh, And Father, I pray that your will would be done on the earth as it is done before your throne in heaven. And Father, I pray that you would give us today and only today what we have need of. Um, Father, not food for tomorrow, not not your word to us for a week from now, but Father, I pray that you would give us today our daily bread. Um, And Father, just forgive us uh, where we have transgressed against you as we forgive those around us. And protect us, Father, um, from the enemy. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him. It is for those who fear Him, and He makes known to them His covenant. Um, I'll be reading out of the ESV this morning. Um, that's usually what I use, so I um, hope that doesn't throw anybody off too much. But I am going to read several passages out of Psalms really quickly. Um, And Psalms 33, 18 says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love. And Psalms 34, 7 says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. We sing that song. And then Psalms 85, 9 says, Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. And a couple of weeks ago, when Brother John asked me um, if I would preach, um, it took me a little while to respond um, and I prayed about it and and um the Lord gave me a piece, and um, I prayed about what to what to speak on and the Lord began to work this this uh idea in my heart of what it was to fear the Lord and if I actually feared the Lord. Um, and then I second-guessed myself. Um, I don't know if y'all remember last Sunday John preached, and um, it was a powerful, good message on assurance and uh, faith. And, and I second, I, I started to back out <clears throat> um, until I realized that the two things are not contrary to each other, um, but they are the same thing. They're one thing. And so um, I'm going to read in Psalms 103. Um, 11 through 13. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love towards those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. And then in 17 it says... But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him, and His righteousness to children's children. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love towards those who fear Him. There's several different um, Greek words used for fear. I was laughing this morning, I was writing them down and um, I was laughing, thinking about Brother John out there and video world listening to me pronounce them wrong, but um, anyway, we'll uh, say that for another time. But um, <laughs> regardless, there are two different words in the Greek language used for fear, and um, in Hebrew, it's basically the same. There's one word with different uh, uh, derivatives and whatnot, but I, was, I started out by going through the Old Testament and just listing where it says, fear the Lord, fear the Lord, fear the Lord, and every context of fear the Lord is a good context throughout the whole scripture, unless someone is not fearing the Lord, and then it's a negative context. But this idea, I couldn't, I had trouble getting my mind around, and I guess I always have, and I just didn't know it, but this idea of how the fear of the Lord, how it works. Because I remember as a young, as a young boy, and we were in a youth group, and a gentleman was up speaking, and he was talking about how the fear of the Lord is not actually fear. It's more of just a uh, respect, you know, towards somebody. And I didn't agree with that at the time, and I still don't. Respect and reverence is part of it, part of it. Um, but it's not just, well, I respect Aaron Reed. You know, that's not that's not all it is. It's not just a respect thing. And so, um, but I was really struggling with how this... Uh, um, how it all worked together, and I—I I, I believe I still am, but I believe the Lord has given me some—given uh, me some help. Um, Psalms 11, um, verse 5 and 10 says, "He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever." And I didn't count how many times, but throughout the scriptures, if you've ever read Proverbs and the Psalms, um, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. is said over and over and over and over. And I, I begin to find this theme uh, where it talks about the fear of the Lord. In 111.5, it says, He provides food for those who fear Him. And there, it seems to be this idea of softness towards those who fear Him, this idea of tenderness towards those who fear Him. And then the Lord gave me an illustration Marinatha, one of my daughters. I don't know where she. I guess she's out. Um, the orange one. <laughs> the uh, she's. <laughs> Laura gives her carrot juice, so she's she's orange as Mr. Rudy's shirt. But um, she's climbing on this little chair right by this little kid table, which that no big deal. I wasn't really. I was watching her. She's pretty. You know, it's pretty close to the ground. But then she got the bright idea to get on top of the table, which is w- way higher than she needs to be, and. And I saw her do it, and I told her no, and I went over there, and I I just kind of gave her a little warning swat. And um, so she sat down, and she watched me, and I went back and sat down, and then she climbed back up on the table. Well, then, as I was headed over to get her, she almost fell off, and it scared me. And I swatted her pretty good, and I disciplined her pretty good. And when I did, I took her off the table, and I set her on the floor. And, of course, she began to wail like I had chopped her arm off, and I went and sat down at the table. And I immediately just held my arms out and I said, Come here. And she crawled to me as fast as she's ever crawled to anything. And it just struck me this idea that she feared me when she was doing something wrong. I was coming to swatter and she knew it. She holds her out, she does like that right there. She knows it's coming. <laughs> she knew it was coming. And there was a fear. But, y'all, as soon as I set her on the floor, there was no place she wanted to be but in my arms. And so, this is the way it is with us and the Lord. And it's not a, um, the, the the message of the fear of the Lord is not a message without hope. But, y'all, I, I don't think that we fear the Lord as we should um, in a lot of different areas of our life. Um, and I wrote down a few Different. I'm not going to get into specifics necessarily. Um, I'll leave that to Brother John. Um, but Proverbs 8.13 says that the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Um, and then, uh, obviously, when we think of the fear of the Lord, we think of Proverbs, and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and so on and so on. But if you'll turn to Philippians 2. Philippians 2, uh, starting in verse 12. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you, have always o- as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. So we've all heard this, this verse, uh, Philippians 2.12. Uh, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Um, and I believe that this, ha- this is the course of every true believer's life is that we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. But what's the next verse says? For it is God who works in you to will and to do according to his good pleasure. So it, it almost seems there again like a contradiction. It says, uh, you know, he's exhorting them to obey, you know, even though he's not there. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But then he immediately, he's so gracious uh, to us that God immediately points out that it's not our work. Because we're so quick to make our little list of things that we do and don't do, and then that's it. And so it is a matter of working, but then instantly he says, no, it's a matter of me working. And so you, know, we cannot, you can't have one without the other. Okay? Sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. How many churches have split? How many denominations have not, would not come together? You know, I've had brothers that wouldn't fellowship with me because of that. Um, because of the difficulty of well they're not they don't, they don't contradict one another they're best friends and you don't separate best friends and so um, and it's the same thing here the idea of us working out our own salvation and yet at the same time crying out to God for him to work out our own salvation because um, what does the fear and trembling produce? we're fearful because man we're messed up I know I am I know all the time I I can't I can't seem to go very long without realizing how much of a mess I am. And um, Lord gave me three little girls. So it's getting more and more. Um, In all seriousness, it's funny, but I mean, it's like, man, I am a messed up individual. And it causes fear and trembling because I realize that I can't do it. I realize that if he does not come and help me, I am done for. I am. I am, Man, it would just be bad. Um, I lived for about 19 years making my own decisions, um, and it didn't work out so well. Um, it actually it worked out terribly. Um, and so I want him to come um, and to work in me, and I want him to come and work in us. And you notice he adds on the end, for his good pleasure. Um, And so for in all things, whatever we do, it all goes back just for the Lord's own good pleasure. It's for His good pleasure towards us. And what we've got to realize and understand is that His good pleasure, what pleases Him and what is glorifying to Him is always for our best. Always to our benefit. Always to our good. Always. Um, Let's turn to 2 Corinthians 6.16. Sorry, I know I'm going a lot of places. Um, Believe me, there was a lot more to... Places to go, but I tried to narrow it down as much as possible. Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians six, um, verse sixteen through chapter seven, verse one. (coughs) <coughs> Excuse me. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God said I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing, then I will welcome you. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Now since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. So. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. So you recognize that the promises don't come because we've cleansed ourselves from every defilement. We cleanse ourselves from every defilement because the promises are true. Um, And so it's a lot of times we get it backwards. We want to say, well, no, it's not a salvation of works. You don't. You know, you don't do these, you know, whatever it is. You know, it says go out from among them and be the you separate. Well, legalism, legalism, I've had so many people tell me that. Legalism, you know, it's the opposite. You've got it backwards. We've got it backwards. Because it is a free gift. Because the promises are true. Therefore, we cleanse ourselves from every defilement. Um, It's not that we cleanse ourselves, therefore we make ourselves good enough that somehow we earn... His, um, his love in some way. That's not way, That's not the way it is. You know. Um, I don't love my girls because they act a certain way. I discipline them because I love them already, and I try for their benefit to cause them to act a certain way. To, um, um, as the word says, you know, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. So, um, you know, I don't love my girls because they act right. I love them, period. And because I love them, I want them to act right. And so it's the same thing with God. He doesn't love us because we act right. He just loves us. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. I mean, guys, we, I mean, I think sometimes could we ever doubt his love now I mean, now that I mean we are the body of Christ and we've been filled with the Holy Spirit, how in the world can we doubt His love when He loved us before while we were sinners? When He loved us when there was nothing to love about us. There was nothing in us to love and He loved us. And so, man, yes, we're to fear God. Man, we are to fear God more than I think any of us could comprehend. Um, but that fear... Um, Gosh, I've got it written down. I can't remember where it says. um, It's meant to lead us to salvation. It's meant to lead us to Him. And so... um, I'm going to skip ahead here, but in uh, 1 Peter, I think it is, it says... uh, Oh, man. I should have been more organized. Um... 1 Peter, yeah, one thirteen seventeen. 17. Be holy as he is holy. So in 2 Corinthians here, in, in chapter 7, verse 1, you know, it says for, excuse me, in chapter 7, verse 1, it is saying, since we have these promises, cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. So what's the goal? The goal here is that we bring holiness into completion to completion in the fear of God. And so that's the goal. You know, our goal is not to just, you know, well, Jesus saved me and I'm just going to sit back on my blessed assurances and praise God and I'm living great. He's blessed me, everything. We're just, hum- I mean, hunky-dory. I started to say uh, humpty-dumpty, but <laughs> everything's just hump now i've messed myself up everything is hunky dory um but that's not the way that it is to be um, i don't know why i wrote those that those words on a different sheet of paper that was really dumb but um let's turn uh i want to look at two two uh two verses um uh, one's in proverbs 28:14 And then the other one is in 1 John 4.18. If you just put your finger in uh, Proverbs and turn to 1 John (coughs) 4.18. So, Proverbs 28.14 says, Blessed is the one who fears the Lord Always. Always, But whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. So blessed is the one who fears the Lord always. And then in 1 John 4, uh, 18, he says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. You know, it's incredible. I was fearful that I didn't know how to reconcile these two, and I almost didn't put it in. (laughs) So, but praise God that perfect love casts out fear. But, blessed is the man who fears the Lord always, but there's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment and whatever fear has not been perfected in love. And so... As I was going back and forth on this, trying to to figure out how to, excuse me, not how to, but how these two things are, how they coexist. How am I, as a man, supposed to fear the Lord always? That means all the time, 24 7, 365. How am I supposed to fear the Lord always? And yet, he says, don't fear. I mean we all know matthew 6 five don't be anxious don't be fearful, but we're supposed to be fearful always. Now I'm just going to tell you it's speaking of two different types of fear um, and in the Greek there's two words: one fear is a fear that has to do with um, fearful um, and fearful in reverence, fearful in in giving respect and honor, fearful um in a glorifying way to something that is greater than you are. Uh, but it is a fear. It's a dreadful fear. It's a trembling fear. In the, in the classic Greek, it's actually used mostly for to describe someone that would run away. Like Jonah, maybe. <laughs> but the other type that is used always negatively, and I'm not going to try to pronounce it from memory. It, it was a little crazy, but um, is, um, it has to do with being timid or cowardice and not trusting promises, I would say. Um, it has to do with, I think that that's what John is saying here, um, and that perfect love casts out fear, because as we grow in love for Him, it's not this idea of, well, we don't fear the Lord anymore. No, the man of God fears the Lord always. But it cast out fear from... Um, It cast out the fear that I could ever be cut off. It cast out the fear that we could ever be plucked out of his hand. Because in John 17, John, not 1st John, but in John 17, he says that not one will be taken out of my hand, except for Judas, that the scripture be fulfilled. But um, John here is talking about um, the fears that cause us to doubt the Lord. The fears that cause us to not do the things that he's asked us to do. The fears that, um, man, can you imagine if we had perfect love for the people around us? Would we be? Would we ever be fearful to share the gospel? Ever. I don't know about y'all, but I am. I try to share the gospel sometimes, and it's like, I mean, you're asking me to wrestle a bear or something. And, and I don't know why that is, but it is the reality of my flesh. and But... Can you imagine if we had perfect love for those around us? I don't think that we would be fearful to share the gospel with them because they're in they're in a bad way just as we were. Um, but so I just, I want, I want us to think about the fact, and I guess I'd never thought about it until I really dove into it, but the fact that... Um, it's two it's speaking of two different kinds of fear and it's not contradicting itself um and I wish I could articulate that better but uh sometimes as with the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man I don't think I've ever heard anybody really explain that really well and there are some things that you just you take by faith cuz it's what the word says so it is it is the way it is um Now as far as right fears of the Lord, um, as I was thinking about this morning, and I wrote a few things down, um, and the things that would be considered a right fear is the, the loving fear of a child towards a father, uh, just like with my little girl, and a dread lest we deviate from obedience. We should have a fear, y'all, that we deviate from obedience, that we deviate in any way from obedience to the Word, from obedience to God. Um, It should be a fearful thing to us. Um, And I think that we should spend time in the Old Testament. A lot of times it talks about in Psalms, David says, Teach me the fear of the Lord several times. And then uh, what's the song? Come, my children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. I can't remember where that's from, but it's a little song that um, on one of our CDs there. Uh, But there's this idea of learning the fear of the Lord or teaching the fear of the Lord or cultivating the fear of the Lord in your life. Um, And I think that we all need to consider our lives and consider the things that we do, consider the things that we allow into our house, consider the things that we allow uh, with our children, consider the things that we allow ourselves. You know, if you're ever in a point of saying, well, I think it's okay, and you're probably in a bad place, most likely. Um, because um, I feel like the Lord has has worked in my life only to a very small degree, but I want it to be more that in everything that we do, do the glory of God. And if it's not, we should be fearful. Um, and that is 1 Corinthians 10. We'll just go ahead and read it. I'm skipping around. I thought I had it all lined out perfect, but not so. 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23. And Paul says, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If any of the unbelievers invite you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, This has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but for his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jew or to Greeks or to the Church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage but that of many that they may be saved. So if indeed we are to be building up our lives towards holiness and the fear of God, and if we are indeed, as first Peter says, to be holy as he is holy. Um, and let's just read that real quick. Um, or I say real quick. Let's read it. 1 Peter 1. 1 um, Peter 1 uh, 13 through 17. Therefore, preparing your minds for action, being sober minded, set your hope fully on the grace. That will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. (coughs) Any of y'all ever struggle with the passions of your former ignorance? I do. But as he who called you is holy, so also you be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy. I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. So, if we are indeed to be holy as he is holy. Um, and then at that point, that gives a whole... A whole new perspective to everything that we do in our lives. Everything. Every single thing. Um, And it says back in Corinthians, So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So, I would just ask all of us, including myself, Are we doing everything that we do? Can we do it to His glory? Is there things that are in our lives that we cannot do to His glory? And I know it's, it's been said many times, but, you know, if Jesus were sitting here, would you do it? But seriously, think about it. If he were with you when nobody else was with you, or when he, if he were with you in your home, in my home, you know, what ways would you act toward your family? What things would you allow and not allow in your home? What things would you say? What things would you not say? You know, would you be a little more patient if Jesus was sitting there listening to you? Um, would you get frustrated? Would you look at things on your phone? Would you waste your time? Would I waste my time? I'm bad about wasting time. Bad about it. Um, And I don't believe that I can waste my time and give glory to God in wasting my time. I don't see how that's possible. Um, Because, you know what, our Lord and Savior, who we are supposed to, um, you know, it says in Matthew that a... a, uh, A servant is not greater than his teacher. If we're supposed to be like him, he didn't waste time, guys. He didn't even waste time sleeping. But we were weak. Um, But that was a big one that hit me because I really... um, (coughs) Excuse me. um, I really struggle with wanting to be entertained. Um, And it was something that controlled me back before the Lord saved me. I wanted to be entertained. I loved it. Um, I would have been a couch potato watching movies, uh, watching TV, lots of TV. I loved um, shows like the kind that, you know, never come to fruition. (laughs) The kind that like, it's like it's always never gets there. You know, whatever it's trying to It's always a mystery. It's always something, well, that teaser for next time. You know, it's always every episode and every season. It always leads to what? More. Always leads to more. Um, And I really struggled with that, and that's why I don't have a TV. And we do have a computer, and I do struggle with um, wanting to spend time entertaining myself. And I don't see how I can give glory to God and just waste so much time entertaining and I don't see how we can do that Um, I really don't Um, so um, I just want us to think about in whatever we do are we giving glory to God are we giving glory to God in the way we dress and I mean guys and girls I mean all of us Um, I heard a pastor say a long time ago and it stuck with me that if you are dressing to frame your face you're giving glory to God and if you're dressing to frame your body It's vanity, and you're trying to give glory to yourself, and so, and it goes for, um, it goes for all of us. Um, But there are so many things in our lives that, if we would stop and consider, does this give glory to God, guys? It would, it would transform our lives. I'm here to tell you, it would transform our church. It would transform all of us um, in a radical way. It would transform um, our country Um, if the church took this to heart. Well, then we wouldn't have <laughs> all these crazy conversations about all the craziness that's going on. Um, and we wouldn't be uh, debating on the lesser of two evils. Um, that wouldn't be the issue. And so, But we, we live in a country that is progressively more and more doesn't do anything to God's glory. There was a time, even in unregenerate people, where there was a reality of a fear of the Lord... You hear the old timers talk about well, back in my day, and we all kind of, you know. but seriously, there was a time when there was a fear of the Lord, even in unregenerate people. There was a fear of God in this country, and I'm telling you that the reason that we're at, we're where we are is a lack of the fear of God. Um, and so, um, also I got to thinking about. Um, I feel like that there should be a fear um, There should be a fear in us of what's going on around us, what is going on around us in our world. There should be a fear because of that, because what if um, and I was thinking about this this morning, and it's kind of grotesque, and I apologize, but what if we heard that there was a hospital in Louisville where people were taking their two-year-olds? I've got a two-year-old and a one-year-old and a three-week-old. The people were taking their one year old and two year olds and the doctors were sucking their brains out. How would that affect us? Okay? Think about that. Then what if a video came out where they videoed it and it was all over YouTube and you could go watch it? What would we do? What would the outrage be? Y'all think of Illya, my little girl. I mean how many two year olds we running around here? I mean What would our reaction be, guys? But what's the difference? There is no difference. They're creating abortions at a rate of wow, I didn't I didn't know there was a I didn't see the dog when I first got up here and it moved and I was like, oh my stars. <laughs> it, uh threw me off there for a second. Um, um he's been very quiet. That's very he's been quieter than all three of my girls combined, I'm sure. Um but um But I was thinking about that because I feel like, and it it really bothered me this morning, how accustomed I have gotten to the idea of abortion. I mean, guys, not that it's a good thing, but just you hear it and it's like abortion. It happens. It's been happening as long as I've been alive, you know, legal. And I mean, I feel like we've gotten used to it, guys. We're so, I mean, we're like fish. We don't know we're wet. I mean, fish have no idea they're wet. That's we are so immersed in this culture, this, this, I mean, we don't even know we're wet. I mean, we can go and hear someone sp- say the word abortion, or I can hear it on the radio, or this, that, and the other, and unless it's, you know, they're specifically talking about something terrible, just hear the word in passing, it doesn't affect me. And yet, what if I heard someone say something about killing a little two year old at a hospital? Oh, well, man. <laughs> Be a little, be a little different. I mean, I'd like to think we'd we'd march to the hospital and, and I don't, I don't know what we'd do. I mean, make a ring around it and something. I mean, we would do something. It would change our life. It, it, it would affect us. So why doesn't why doesn't the idea of killing babies in the womb? Why doesn't that affect us? We're used to it, guys. And I know it does some more than others. Um, and hopefully, um, I'm speaking mainly to myself, but. I feel like that we are so immersed in our culture, in the, in, the, in the culture of America, in the culture of what is becoming more and more a culture of death um, and the love of death. Uh, but we're so immersed in it, y'all, that it doesn't affect us anymore. I mean, we don't cry tears over the, I don't know the number, I'm sure someone does, of how many babies are killed a day. I mean, yeah, a day. I mean, I can't remember the number, but I've heard it. it it's staggering. Every day. And that's just one thing. I mean, that's just one thing. And we hear of so many things. And some things, I'll hear of stuff and I'll make jokes about it. I mean, not abortion, but I'll hear things that are going on in our culture and you, you make jokes about it. I mean, all, this last election cycle, you talk about transforming America. I mean, I, the conversation, unbelievable. Just from the last election, the way I remember the conversations going. It's unbelievable, the things that we've gotten used to. Um, And so I think that we should really sit down and consider... I mean, I don't don't think... I mean, I know so that God doesn't take these things lightly. God is unable to hear of these things and see these things happening, and it just not affect Him. It affects Him. And as God's people, it should affect us. And I think it's a lack of fear of the Lord um, in the church that, well, we can stand up here and make jokes about Donald Trump or Hillary or this, that, and the other And instead of, well, what's pleasing and what's, how does the Lord see it? So I think that that should really cause us to fear. Uh, but let's turn to Matthew 6 and talk about a little bit about the other side of fear. Matthew 6, verse 25 says, For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you have need of of them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Man, is that true? But, even though it's true, and I... Profess it to be true and believe it 's true, I still am anxious about tomorrow more often than not i 'm considering well, what am I going to do tomorrow i 'm anxious about this and that, and i'm anxious about money i 've got kids and and I struggle with man, <laughs> how am I going to feed all these I mean, how in the world i mean i don 't even i don 't know how it 's going to work out sometimes um, and so you it 's so easy to become anxious, but man. Are we of not of much more value than sparrows? And yet, he feeds every one of them and gives them everything they need, and they're not worried about a thing. Um, And so, I'm going to tell you that this is, I believe, partly, in part, um, the fear that John's talking about in 1 John, where he says, don't, you know, perfect love cast out fear. And so... Are we anxious? Are we are we fearful? Are we fearing God? Or are we fearful that man we're not gonna I can't afford the clothes I like to wear. I can't afford the not the food I like to eat. I can't afford the the new car I want. I can't afford this. I can't afford that. Are we are we anxious about building a life here? Are we anxious about accumulating things that we like, or are we? Seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then these things will be added to you. It doesn't say then you will add these things, then these things will be added to you. and so I um, heard I heard a, uh, I heard a, a preacher tell this tell this story about a about a man I thought was really good. Um, he said there was a man that spent his whole life accumulating treasure as much as he could. I mean, that's all he was about, and we all know people, that all they care about is making a buck, making another dollar. It doesn't matter, I've known a man that was so rich, he, he had enough money to burn a wet mule, my grandfather would say. But all he was worried about was making another buck. That was it. I mean, more money than you can shake a stick at, and he sat in front of the TV all day watching the stocks, trying to make a dollar, trying to make a dollar lived in the 9,000-square-foot house by himself. Um, and I worked for him. But, um, and so we've all, we've known people like that. But this gentleman, not this gentleman, but gentleman, this story that the pastor told, he, um, he spent his whole life accumulating wealth. And at the end of his life, he took everything, liquidated it, and bought gold, turned it into gold and had this big chest of gold. And when he died, he requested that he be buried with it. And so they wrapped his arms around it, and he was buried with it. And somehow, somehow, he took it with him. Don't know how, but somehow he took it with him. And when he got to the gate, he was knocking on the gate and whatnot, this, that, and the other. And he had this chest he was dragging with him. And an angel showed up and was like, man, what are you doing? And he said, I'm trying to get in. And he said, well, what's this you got with you? And he said, well... This is the most valuable thing ever. He said, I've spent my whole life working for this. He said, I have toiled and basically, I mean, pushed people out. I've done everything for this. And the angel's like, man, what is in there? There must be something of great value. And he opens it up. And the angel's just bewildered and has this curious look on his face. And he said, You spent your life working for this? He said, We paved the streets with that up here. <laughs> he said you spent your life working for asphalt <laughs> and that just that, I mean it's funny and comical but it struck me that I mean man when we're trying to accumulate things so that we can have things is that not what we're doing I mean is it not I mean if we, we don't even have gold we got paper I mean, we got wallpaper. I mean, and it's not even pretty wallpaper, and it's and we try to accumulate, and it, it's not even of real value. I mean, it's incredible. Gold's not even of real value, and we don't even have that. And so, you know, it is it is pretty incredible when you you know stories like that. Just it, they're comical, and they they make you make you think, but. I wish it struck me more than it does. I wish it hit me and drove home more than it does because I've heard it preached a lot. I've listened to a lot of sermons, lots of them. And guys, sometimes I can listen to, listen to someone preach and there's things and there's nothing. My heart is as cold and dull. I mean, and we need to be careful because if that's where we are, we're in a bad way. You know, we're in a really bad way, um, and so I, I do. I want to end with with hope, is where the Lord always. If you read through the Psalms, you find that in in most of the Psalms it ends with, "Man, I'm going to die," and it ends with praise the Lord because He's faithful. And so um, let's turn to Psalms thirty-four, eighteen, and it says, "The Lord is near." To the brokenhearted, and saves the crushed in spirit. So I just ask: Do we want the Lord to be near to us this morning? Do we want the Lord to be near to us in our life? Well, let me ask you: How do you how do you get to be brokenhearted and crushed in spirit when you look at your life in the context of the fear of the Lord and in the context of the Word, and you realize? that we're a mess. Um, but if you're able to be content with your life and content with where you are, um, and there's and you don't spend time considering the things in your life, whether you're giving glory to God or not, and you're just able to kind of float through, um, and I would tell you that that is a... Um, that is a very dangerous place to be, um, I'd say the most dangerous. Um, but it says the Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and so I'd tell you that at the at the end of all of we could talk about the fear of the Lord for three weeks, uh, men way more articulate than myself and um really expound upon it. but the end of it is the point of the fear of the Lord is. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit. You know what is the sermon on the mount? Blessed are the poor in spirit. And what's the poor in spirit? The poor in spirit are those who realize that they're spiritually poor, that they don't have anything worth value in themselves apart from Christ. And so, but we don't realize that unless we're looking at him, unless we are seeking him. And so um and I wanna read one more passage. Several several weeks ago, um I had gone through a period of just real dryness. Um and I had um gone several days without without praying, without seeking the Lord, without reading the word, nothing. And um I was just really dry and just feeling very um robotic. I get I don't know if if any of you if I'm sure it does make sense to many of you, but um, you get to where all of a sudden you just realize it's like, man, you wake up and it's like, I've just been a robot for three days and I don't even remember any conversations I had with my wife. I mean, I just don't remember. It's like, I've just been dead for three days. And um, it it's because I had I had just been concerned with my own life and there was no reality of seeking the Lord. Um, and it was... Um, it was a point of, of fear and a point just because he, he was gone. I mean, the fellowship with the Lord was not there. There wasn't the closeness. I, I couldn't, I could pray, but it, like it didn't make it past the ceiling. And y'all know what I'm talking about. Sometimes when you pray and it's just like, man, nothing, nothing. And um, that's where I was. And I was sitting up late at night and I was just I began to weep and just cry thinking, is there even any hope for me? Because I have gone through this cycle over and over and over since I got saved. And I'll go a while and I'll do I'll do all right and then I get to oh, I'm doing all right and the next thing you know I'm on flat on my face. Um and it's just been a, a vicious cycle. Um but I was sitting there and I was I was crying and just thinking, man, is there any hope for me? And I, I mean, what? And so I just I just grabbed my Bible was laying there and I just I flipped it open. And I don't necessarily advocate people doing that, but the Lord is is so incredibly faithful. Um, I flipped it open and the Bible I had there on my nightstand um, was a little one, and it it was right at the top of the page in that Bible, and it was Jeremiah 31:17. And the first words I saw were, There is hope for your future, declares the Lord. And I just, God, I just broke down and I was laughing and crying. I didn't know whether to jump and shout or, I mean, I just didn't know what to do. Um, and uh, he's just so faithful. But Jeremiah thirty-one seventeen says, There is hope for your future, declares the Lord. And your children shall come back to their own country. I have heard Ephraim grieving. You have disciplined me, and I was disciplined, like an untrained calf. Bring me back, that I may be restored, for you are the Lord my God. For after I had turned away, you relented, and after I was instructed, I struck my thigh. I was ashamed, and I was confounded, because I bore the disgrace of my youth. And then this is the Lord speaking. Is Ephraim my dear son? Is he my darling child? For as often as I speak against him, I do remember him still. Therefore, my heart yearns for him. I will surely have mercy on him, declares the Lord. So I just want to tell you all that um, this teaching on fearing the Lord is not so that everyone goes home Man, you know, this is not so that we all go home and beat ourselves, you know, and we beat ourselves up mentally. And Because, I, I mean, how many times I've, I've gone home from church so many times, oh, I'm, I'm going I'm to do better, I'm going to do better. And I beat, man, I just, you know, punish myself because I haven't done good enough. But that's not the point um, of this. And the point of this is so that when we realize... That we are not giving glory to God in our lives. That we are not fearing Him as we ought. That we are not walking in a manner pleasing to Him. So that at that point, our hearts can be broken and He can be near to us. So that at that point, we can read this passage and say, Man, I mean, verse 20, God says, Is Ephraim my dear son? Is he my darling child? And He says this, To us. Guys, this is, think about this, him saying this to us in the context of how much we fail. For as often as I speak against him, I do remember him still. Therefore, my heart yearns for him. I will surely have mercy on him. And I just want to tell you all that um, we're all, we're a mess. Um, you don't have to look around very long look at yourself and look at everyone around you very long to realize that we are an absolute mess Um, but he loves us and sometimes I can't even I can't fathom, I can't even believe it but he loves us more than we'll ever know I believe that we'll spend eternity learning if you could say every day you you couldn't say every day but if you could say that every day we would learn a little more about the love of God Um, And every day, it will be um, more than we can handle. It will be so much, but it will be more the next day. And that will be the course of our lives, I believe, learning more and more about just how He loves us. Um, Anyway, let's pray. Father, we are grateful for Your Word. Amen. And Father, your word tells us that you chasten uh, every son that you love and that you discipline every every child that is yours. So, Father, I pray that you would not cut us off, uh, that you would not leave us to ourselves. But Father, I pray that in all um, that in all of us, Father, that there would be that there would be a work of discipline, that there would be a reality of Uh, Father, conviction and repentance. Father, I pray that our lives would be marked by conviction and repentance. Uh, And Father, that your discipline to us would be the greatest source of peace and joy in our lives because it shows us that you love us and that you desire good for us. Father, we just praise you and we thank you for the word. I pray that you would bless our day, uh, that you would just um, not allow your word to fall upon hard hearts. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.